Life Audio. Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On our episode today, we wanted to touch on the topic of a war of ideas, part two, a war of ideas, part two. If you missed our previous episode, please go online to our website, srministries.org, and you can access part one of a war of ideas. And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 5, reminds us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Again, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing those things into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ, a war of ideas. Imaginations occur in the nuos, the Greek for mind. Imaginations occur in the mind. Ideas do have consequences. What people put in their minds, what people's minds are exposed to, bring a result based on what's in the mind. This is why in Romans, Paul talks about uh, transforming your mind. Be renewed, right, by the transformation of your mind. Renew your mind that you may... Prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, which is your reasonable service. So the, not, the, the, the mind is a powerful thing. And in our culture today, Christianity is under attack. Everything we hold 
as sacred is under attack. The whole concept of God, his reality, his beingness, his existence is under attack. And God is foundational in the sense that if someone can get you to believe that there's no God, you're in a world of trouble. Because there is a God, number one. And it's almost uh, akin to what James says. That uh, an individual looks into the mirror and forget how he or she looks. That's a dangerous thing. And James was inferring that we are drunk, metaphorically, many of us, when you're able to look at the word of God and the word of God serves as a mirror to who we really are, but instead of embracing the reality of where we are and who we are, we read the word of God, which is the mirror, exposing us to our true beingness, and we walk away as if if, uh, we didn't see what the mirror showed us. So the mind is a powerful thing, and we are in a war. Whether or not uh, you're willing to fight is another issue. As Christians, all of us should be willing to be used by God to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Everything we believe in, marriage, has been under assault for years, and, and the devil is behind this. Parenting is under attack. Relationships are under attack. Singleness is under attack. Salvation is under attack. The Bible itself is under attack. Whatever we deem sacred, whatever God has espoused to be beautiful is under attack. And we, we the vessels, have been called by God himself to give a Bible-based response. Before anything happens, a thought process precedes it. Legislation in the White House and even on a state level doesn't uh, become a reality until someone gets a thought. And then they start the process of trying to make a law. Monuments are not erected unless someone gets an inspiration, a thought. So when we talk about a war of ideas, God gave us the ability to be intellectual. God gave us the ability to think. God gave us the ability to discern, to decipher. So thinking is is part, it's an innate part of our Christianity. The question is, What are we thinking about and who is inspiring us? And when we give our minds over to Jesus, he's able to do exceedingly, greatly, things that we could never even envision on our own. God is able to do great things through us. But yet we are in a war, a war that's contrary to the will of God. A war that is uh, diametrically opposed to 
uh, Christendom. And we must stand up. We must do our part. So our worldview is opposed to secular worldviews. We're fighting against uh, thinkings just like atheism, thinking such as agnosticism, humanism, religiosity, scientism, and even polytheism, or whatever isms you can come up with. For the atheist, they boldly proclaim that there's no God. God does not exist. In their own finite mind, they've concluded that God is not real. God doesn't exist. But it's interesting uh, how so many atheists get upset when you do talk about God. Why would you be so excited and upset or and distressed over uh, someone that you have deemed as not being real? But the truth is, God is real. The God of this world has blinded them into seeing the reality of God. And for this episode, uh, we don't have a lot of time to talk about how to prove or argue for God's existence, whether uh, through uh, the Kalem uh, argument uh, or whatever other type of uh, teleological argument that you want to use for God, uh, intelligent design. It's, we have good evidence for God, proving that God does exist. Agnosticism. And agnosticism uh, really, in my estimation, is just uh, a cheap way of trying to avoid the label atheism. Agnostics um uh, believe that there's not enough evidence to prove that God exists. So they leave that little bit of wiggle room to say that if I'm wrong, uh, it's based on the evidence that I, I didn't get uh, to point me towards God. And again, that's just a cop-out. Uh, God is, is real. His reality is evident. That's what Romans talks about. Uh, Paul in Romans uh, tells us that nature itself invites us to ask the question, why? Why are the mountains here? How did the oceans get here? Why is the sky blue? Nature itself um, is an invitation for us to ask the question, how did all of this come about? And nature points us to God. So agnostics are in the same boat as atheism. Uh, they deny uh, God, but for different reasons. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. 
Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Humanism. Now, human, humanists are interesting because they see human efforts as uh, the main reality or the main cause of our existence. So in hum- humanism, and this is an elementary definition, but in humanism, man runs the show. Man is in control. And reality or truth uh, can only be defined or explained through humanistic efforts. So God is totally erased from the uh, picture or the book of humanism. Man is running the show. Humans are running the show in the humanism philosophy. Religiosity. Religiosity is what Jesus uh, warned us about, that there are individuals who worship God with their mouth and not with their heart. Uh, Religiosity uh, tells us to uh, go to church and to have the minister be the holy one while we go to church and then we leave and we act anti-holy. We act the way that we've always act. Uh, we become religious. Uh, we don't follow the mandates, the mantra, the creed of the Gospels. Uh, we, we, we say we believe in Jesus, but we live in alternate lives. We say that we know God, but we don't love our neighbor. Uh, we say that uh, we know God, but we live contrary to his will. That's religiosity. It's not enough to go to church. The question is, is the church in you? The question is, does God have a hold of you? The question is, are we living out the Beatitudes? Are we uh, praying for our neighbors? Are we fulfilling the gospel mission? Are we evangelizing? Are we discipling? Uh, Are we willing to uh, turn away from wrath? Are we willing to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Are we willing to move from religiosity to relationship? So avoid religiosity. All of these are ideas that are contrary to the thinking that God wants us to have. Uh, These are contrary views, and these are views that we must resist. These are views that we must fight. Atheism, agnosticism, humanism, religiosity. Then the next one is scientism. Scientism is where we're living today. We're living in a world of scientism. Now, when we say scientism, we're not saying we're against science. That's not what scientism means. Scientism, however, is the belief that all of life's truth, including how we got here, can be explained wholly and exclusively through science, which means there's no God because uh, science is the reason why we got here. Nature and the law of science is responsible for our existence. So everything is explained through a scientific lens, and that's not true. That's not possible. Science can only answer so much, but when it comes to the metaphysical, when it comes to uh, subjects such as angels, 
uh, the soul, God, prayer. Science can't answer those things. Those are different disciplines. So science has its own realm, its own discipline, but it can't explain the totality of life. And that's where a lot of scientists, meaning those who engage in scientism, that's where they've gone off the cliff. Uh, scientism will not answer all of life's question. Then polytheism. We're living in an age of polytheism where uh, everybody's belief has to be equally valid, and that's not true. That's not sustainable. That view violates the law of non-contradiction. If you remember, the law of non-contradiction states two opposite statements cannot be both true at the same time in the same sense. What, what am I saying? I'm saying Jesus being the only way is not the same as Jesus being one of the ways. Jesus being the only way is not the same as saying Jesus is one of the many ways. But you have some who uh, shut down their logical perspective, and because they're trying to appease everyone, just like when uh, Paul was walking through um, Mars Hill, and, and, and uh, he, he was in that region, and he saw all of these gods. Again, we're talking about the view of polytheism. And he saw all of these gods in Acts 17, and um, he, he, he was saddened because they were so religious that they had a temple dedicated to the unknown God just in case they missed a God that somebody believed in. And again, Paul did not acquiesce to their polytheistic views. What Paul did is he preached Christ, and he preached Christ boldly. So we as Christians, we must preach the gospel. We must stand up boldly for Christ. We can't acquiesce to this thinking that uh, you can believe in whatever you want to believe in. And if you want to look at the passage, go to Acts 17, verse 16. It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in a synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicureans and Stoics, Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Verse 22, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. And then Paul goes on and he preached uh, Jesus, how the whole trajectory of the world 
pointed to the Messiah coming. So again, Paul chastised them for their religiosity. Paul chastised them for their polytheism. They were ignorant of the one thing they claim to worship, which is the authentic God. So as we go along, I want you to just think about all of these different ideologies, all of these different worldviews, all these different uh, religions, and consider this one thing. If it's not the Jesus of the Bible, it is false. If it's not the Jesus of the Bible, it is false. For example, when we talk of polytheism, Islam, Islam preaches good works where your good works must outweigh the bad. And that is, again, diametrically opposed to what the scripture says. The scripture says, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of works. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. So salvation for the Muslim is based on good works outweighing the bad and the measuring out on that day. And, and this is uh, from the Quran, Surah 7, 8 through 9, uh, the uh, Al-Araf uh, edition. And the measuring out on that day will be just. This is the Quran. Then as for him whose measure of good deeds is heavy, those are they who should be successful. And as for him whose measure of good deeds is light, those are they who have made their souls suffer loss because they disbelieved in our communications. Again, that's Surah 7, 8 through 9. And then the other um, Surah, surah uh, uh, verse is 21 and 47. Surah 21 and 47. And we will set up a just balance on the day of resurrection so no soul shall be dealt with unjustly in the least. And though there be the weight of a grain of mustard seed, yet we'll be, we will bring it, and sufficient are we to take account uh, of it. So, again, that's directly from the Muslim's holy book, the Quran, which highlights the fact that if you uh, want to make it to paradise, if you want to make it to heaven, your good works have to outweigh the bad. Then um, we have groups such as Buddhism. Buddhism is another um, aberrant religion, um, inauthentic religion. Christianity is the authentic religion. And these groups all say different things. They are those out there who want us to embrace all the religions and they claim all, all of these different religions are teaching the same thing. And again, it, that argument goes against the law of non-contradiction, which is two opposite statements cannot be both true at the same time in the same sense. If, if you uh, question that method, go see a philosophy teacher at your own school. Go see someone who's familiar with logic. God gave us four laws of logic, which I don't have time to unpack right now. But all of these uh, uh, religions are preaching different things in terms of their core tenets. 
Yes, you'll find some similarities, but at the end of the day, they're preaching a different uh, Messiah. They're preaching a different sage. They're preaching a different deliverer. They're preaching a different message at its core. Buddhism, uh, to become enlightened in hopes of reaching nirvana, which is the final cycle and stage of reincarnation. Uh, That's what uh, many Buddhists live for, to reach nirvana. Nirvana is the extension of human desires or the blowing out of the worldly mind. They offer the four noble truths. They claim life is suffering. That's noble truth, number one. Uh, The cause of suffering is craving, two, Uh, Number three, the end of suffering comes with an end to the craving. And lastly, four, there's a path which leads one away from craving and suffering. So there's a lot of good works that must be done in Buddhism uh, to reach nirvana. And what they uh, are teaching in terms of attainment is not what Jesus came to preach and teach. So again, Uh, You'll find some good things in terms of uh, good works in Buddhism. But ultimately, if we want to get to heaven, we have to follow the prescription set by the one who created heaven, which is Jehovah God, who sent his son, Jesus, the Christ. So, yes, uh, Christianity is exclusive in attaining salvation uh, uh, because God created everything and God has a say-so over how we get to heaven. So if God says, uh, you can't get to me unless you come through the sun, that's exclusive. You can't come by anybody else. You have to come by the sun. And truth is not based on emotions. Truth is not based on emotions. Truth is based on objectivity and what God has laid in front of us. Well, our time has come to a close. Uh, came so quickly. But we'll continue this topic of the war of ideas on our next episode. Um, We ask that you continue to support the ministry. Go online and donate. And remember to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. And as always, we would like to thank our friends at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this broadcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer. Bible study. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.